Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and across from me, as always, is Charles. Chuck Thompson, how's it going today, Chuck? Oh, just what a great day. It's a great day. I don't know what day of the week it is right now. Um, Is it hump day? Yeah, or is it, it is. Thursday? No, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Oh, today is Thursday. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm messing my days up. We're on that back end of the week right now. They're Actually, all the same. It's kind of a, it's kind of a terrible day. Today is March 122nd, and <laughs> that that's basically what it feels like. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little sad though because I I'll say tomorrow's Friday. Yeah. Which means it's the weekend, and then Monday is a holiday. Oh gosh. There's no. I don't know if I'll see you on Monday. Oh no. Yeah. Do we get that holiday off? I didn't look in the paperwork. There's no training or trading. There's no there's no hardly anything. What holiday is it? What month is it right now? Uh, you you already said it's March 122nd. Yeah. Okay, it's May right now. What is that? Memorial Day? Is that what that is? It sure is. Okay. Sure all is. Right. I don't know my holidays and all that apparently, well. I don't know this, but apparently you can wear white pants after Memorial Day and then you I thought can't, that was Labor Day. You can't wear them after Labor Day. You can only wear them over the summer apparently. Okay. Yeah. Until Labor Day. Until Labor Day. I don't want to mess that up. Me neither. Yeah. When I wear my white pants, I want them to be where I'm supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. You don't look like some idiot out there wearing white pants when well, everyone knows you're not supposed to. Everyone gossiping behind your back. Yeah. You know? Look at this stupid You know that's only for summertime? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, good morning to all of our listeners in Hawaii right now. <laughs> it's still morning time for those people. So uh, what's I think, up? I think India, probably. <laughs> yeah, some other places, you know. So, you know, someone said it'd be good if you guys release an episode in the morning. Well, why don't you quit being such an Eastern timist all the time? All right. Just like we're song, on Islander time right now. Just like that old classic off of uh, now four. <laughs> if you guys remember the now hits, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. It, <laughs> so it's good morning somewhere. It is good morning somewhere. So welcome to good morning somewhere. If you guys want to, you can in fact subscribe to this podcast. We put out a new episode every single day of the week when we want to all about life, liberty and the pursuit of meaning. We talk about current news stories, a little bit of libertarian philosophy, but we don't dive in so deep that you know, you're going to fall asleep or anything, but we do approach the news from a liberty-minded standpoint, try to try to weed through all the bull that's going on out mm-hmm. there and actually get down to the nitty-gritty. What are people actually trying to get you to believe? And maybe we should talk about some facts over friction every once in a while, you know? We choose signs over facts. Exactly. As Joseph R. Biden would say. So subscribe <laughs> to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button on on Apple podcast hit follow on spotify hit whatever it says on google i don't know what it says google google something do it hit that button right now 92 percent of people who listen to this podcast hit that button don't be one of those evil eight percenters jump in that 92 percent club statistics show that 92 percent of the time this podcast works every time yeah so there you go. I would say mainly what we talk about, you know, like you said, a little bit of libertarian philosophy. Because if you get down into the, you know, you know the the Mises versus the, you know, Rothbard, Rothbard versus yeah. Locke and all of that stuff, you get a little. Um, it's not as fun. Yeah. And this is this place is a place of fun. We try to not fan and, too hard. <laughs> and but the the biggest key about this podcast is, uh, and what we talk about 
as our ta- as our tagline suggests, it's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Because what is life without freedom? What will you do without freedom? As Mel Gibson would say in Braveheart, if Nate would watch it, he would understand that reference when I said that. What will you do without freedom? I just watched The Patriot last weekend, by the way. That's not enough. It's still good. It is great. That's a great movie. It gives me chills thinking that people might have actually thought that way sometimes mm-hmm. at one point in time in the past. You know, About 10% of Yeah, a few of them. About 10% we of We don't know if that's statistically correct. They were probably scared to answer on their survey whether or not they thought they should secede from Great they Britain. You know, scared to answer I, the I, King's I, survey. I doubt they were going to answer, oh, yeah, we're totally good with it. You know, yeah. so that whole... That whole only 10% of the people wanted to actually have the war and 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 gain our freedom so we could lose them all over again. That that whole thing, you know, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. That's that's probably a bad statistical sample. I haven't seen the data right. on it so far. Well, maybe we can find those old survey archives yeah. somewhere. I'll go look through probably one of those in the Library of Congress. Those newspaper things where you roll through <laughs> and you it shows you the newspaper. Yeah. You know? That's that's how I read the news right there. <laughs> you know, they have computers now. What? Yeah, they do. Okay. No, no but seriously, we do talk about uh, life, liberty, pursuit of meaning. And the reason why is because, well, like I said, what would you do without freedom? There, There isn't much to life if you're bound to slavery. Uh, I think we all know that. And then pursuing a life of meaning, it's because you have to answer a couple questions. Like, what do you actually want out of life? And then once you figure out what you want, what do you believe? How do you fit into a framework of pursuing what you want and what you believe? And what we believe here is a basic set of libertarian principles of liberty principles that we believe is the best for the most amount of humans to be the most successful possible. And that's why we talk about all the things we talk about. We talk about the stock market. We talk about the news of the day and politics. And, you know, I had a family member accuse me today of being a Trump supporter. And I'm just like, do you not, you don't even listen to the show. Do you not, you don't know who I am. You're just, and this is a a cousin that lives in Louisiana still. And uh, it's like you, you assume because I argue against your Bernie principles that somehow I'm for Trump. And that's where we've gotten to in this country. It's like you say one thing, you get called a libtard. You say the other thing, you get called a demon rat. And you you say the other thing, you get called a, a, right-wing terrorist organization. So what we believe is, is actually setting, uh, you know, baseline set of principles, a, a moral framework, if you will, a principled framework from which you use Liberty to live the best life possible and advocate for those principles, because not only does it improve your life, it can improve the life around every, uh, around the lives of everyone around you. And if their lives improve, ultimately your lives improve. Think about, what people can do with the freedom to create things, to be inventive. Who's going to come up with the next greatest thing to make your life easier? Like Amazon and Uber and all of these amazing technologies that people just, they just started thinking up. <laughs> and luckily they had the freedom. They got a whole team of people just backing them up. <laughs> now they're just stinking shit up all day long. And luckily for you, you get to take advantage of all of their thinking up to me to me it boils down to human beings own themselves other people do not own 
other human beings. We've, we've moved past that now as human beings. Yeah, we did for a I long hope, time. I hope so. Uh, we've moved some past pla- that. In some places, they still do, though. <clears throat> I know. I know. But the, the basic idea is that you own yourself. And if you own yourself, other people own themselves. And then what can? who are you to decide that you can control the life of another person if that person's not acting or aggressing against you in any kind of way? So it's basic principle of self-ownership. And if... If, if you believe I own myself or own yourself, if you filter all of the all of the news, all of the regulations, the laws through this, does this mean that people own themselves or do other people own other people? And if you can answer that question and say that this means people own themselves, then we can get behind that more than likely. So Amen. So let's run through some of this news. We gotta try and make it a bit of a faster show today. This this first story we'll just run over real quick from Reuters. The U.S. U.S. to fly aid into Russia where coronavirus cases are climbing. From Moscow, a U.S. military transport aircraft was expected to deliver a first batch of medical aid to Russia on Thursday, including 50 ventilators to help Moscow cope with a rising number of novel coronavirus cases and deaths. Russia's case tally, the world's second highest, rose to 317,000 on Thursday after 8,000 new infections were reported. While the death toll climbed past the 3,000 mark after 127 people died in the last day, uh, oh, that's after the 127 people died in the last in the last 24 hours. Only the United States has more confirmed cases of the novel infection. At uh, quite a few, Russia's toll is much lower than many European countries. However, something that has sparked debate about the methods it uses to count fatalities. So, first off, you got to ask yourself, well. Do they really have such a low death rate? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't actually have all the cases. But what I really wanted to know from this, now here, here's the deal. We're sending over these things. Well, the United States has said it will send 200 U.S. manufactured medical ventilators to Russia after President Donald Trump offered the assistance in response to requests from Russian President Vladimir Putin. Now, here's the issue here. Why didn't Russia just decide that all they needed to do was stop being such a capitalist country? Yeah. And then that way they would have everything they need. That's the problem because it was a problem here. So it must be the problem worldwide. It, it has to be because yeah. it only capitalism causes a situation where you could potentially have a shortage of vital medical supplies and every other system that isn't the greedy capitalist system that we have. Well, then uh, just out of the goodness of your heart, you're going to have all the things that you need. So it's very odd to me that Russia, after all this time, still suffering from a from the their free market and haven't been able to move past that. <laughs> obviously, being sarcastic here, they're obviously not a free market, not a capitalist country whatsoever. It's it's insane that these things never get used really as examples for talking about these systems, and the fact that we who the the media would love to talk about how we don't have enough supplies for anything. And how we're running out of ventilators, but here we are giving aid to another country uh, who doesn't have enough ventilators. And who did they? Who decided that they were going to spend this money on this? By the way, you know, since when do we have plenty of everything, including money, and plenty of everything else, to where we don't have to, you know, maybe pay for some of our own stuff first? Potentially, it's just kind of weird to me that we'd be like, oh, hey, people in Russia. Let's just, we'll supply you this. Oh yeah, we're $28 trillion in debt. We'll just give it to you. But you can have it. Here you go. Now it does say Moscow sent medical supplies itself to the United States last month. 
So was this just a trait? Like, why doesn't Russia just keep theirs and we'll keep ours? Yeah. (laughs) That seems easier. Seems way easier because (laughs) how much does it cost to transfer all this stuff? I don't know. You know, there's probably money or drugs hidden in them, you know, somewhere. That's probably what this actually is. This is actually just Trump is on the plane. He's going over there to meet with Putin about the election coming up. That's really all it is, and his, I would say. And his code name for that trip is Ventilator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got, uh, we got o- Ventilator on board? Operation <laughs> Ventilator is in effect. Okay. We, we got really what is the main story here, which is something we've been talking about a bunch. Um, this whole lockdown thing is going to have really bad consequences. Uh, and and there are other things that we have to worry about other than the coronavirus, other than viruses, other than things like that. There are other problems that could come up from this. So if you talk about this, really, you're just someone who doesn't care about people. You don't care about lives. You only care about the economy. But we do have a lot of doctors who have signed on to a letter informing the president of the of the really bad things that could happen, actually calling it a, a potential mass casualty incident coming up from this mm-hmm. and not from coronavirus so anyway charlie you you can i'll take this one the other thing i want to say and i is, will interrupt you it's probably frequently it's probably you, you won't hear about this because all these doctors are being censored yeah because they're not real doctors their videos can't get played exactly anywhere. which again take everything with a grain of salt everything from the who everything from the government uh everything from what we say you have to look all this stuff up yourself and the biggest thing is pay attention. Pay attention to what happens. You can learn so much from history. It's absolutely astonishing. All right. So doctors raise alarm about health effects of continued coronavirus shutdown. Quote, mass casualty incident. This coming from Fox News, Fox fake, Fox fake News. More than 600 doctors signed on to a letter sent to President Trump Tuesday, pushing him to end the national shutdown aimed at slowing the spread of the coronavirus calling the widespread state orders keeping businesses closed and kids home from school a mass mass casualty incident with exponentially growing health consequences. The letter outlines a a variety of consequences that the doctors have observed resulting from the coronavirus shutdowns, including patients missing routine checkups that could detect things like heart problems or cancer, increases in substance and alcohol abuse. Now, who talked about all this just a little bit ago? Go back and listen if you C- haven't. CNN, probably. If you haven't listened, go back and take take at least the 20 episode challenge. Take the, the pandemic episode challenge, I would say. Go back to February 25th or when did <laughs> things really start happening here? March, the beginning of March, I would yeah. say. Go back to the first week of March. Take the pandemic episode challenge and just <laughs> see what we were saying back then. And then send me an email, charlie at goodmorningliberty.us. And let me know how right I am. <laughs> All right. So they're so detecting humble. things like uh, heart More problems More humble than cancer. anyone else, by the way. I am. I'm the most humblest of all <laughs> humbles. Uh, substance and alcohol abuse and increases in financial instability that could lead to poverty and financial uncertainty, which is closely linked to poor health. We are alarmed, quote, we are alarmed at what appears to be the lack of consideration for the future health of our patients, the doctors say in the letter, in their letter. The downstream health effects are being massively underestimated and underreported. This is an order of magnitude error. Well, they're just being massively underestimated and underreported on other media networks, not this one. Yeah. So all of you that listen to this, you guys are, you're good. You're in the clear. The letter continues, quote, the millions of casualties of a continued shutdown will be hiding in plain sight. 
but they will be called alcoholism, homelessness, homelessness, suicide, heart attack, stroke, or kidney failure. In use, it will be called financial instability, unemployment, despair, drug addiction, unplanned pregnancies, poverty, and abuse. The letter comes as the battle over when and how to lift coronavirus restrictions continues to rage on cable television, in the courts, in protests, and among government officials. Those lifting the restrictions have warned about the economic consequences of keeping the shutdowns in effect. Those advocating a more cautious approach say that having more people out and about will necessarily end with more people becoming infected, which what, uh, causing what the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director, Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned in a Senate hearing last week would be preventable suffering and death. But these doctors point rightly, I will say, I'll, I'll put the word rightly in here. These doctors point to others that are suffering, not from the economy or the virus, but simply from being able, not being able to leave home. The doctor's letter lists a handful of patients by their initials and details, their experiences quote patient ES is a mother with two children, two children whose office job was reduced to part-time and whose husband was furloughed. The father is drinking more. The mother is depressed and not managing her diabetes well, and the children are barely doing any schoolwork. Patient AF has chronic but previously stable health conditions. Her elective hip replacement was delayed, which caused her to become nearly sedentary, resulting in a pulmonary embolism in April. Look at all these problems these people are having. This is insane. Dr. Mark McDonald, a psychiatrist, noted in a conversation with Fox News that a 31-year-old patient of his with a history of depression who was attending school to get a master's degree in psychology died about two weeks ago of fentanyl overdose. He blames the government-imposed shutdown. Quote, she had to stay in her apartment, essentially in house arrest, as most people here in L.A. were for weeks and weeks. She could not see her therapist. She could, uh, she could speak to the therapist over the phone, but she couldn't see her in person. She could not attend any of her group meetings, which were helping her maintain her abstinence from opiates, and she relapsed into depression. She was just too withdrawn to ask for help. McDonald continued before noting that due to regulations, only six people could be at her funeral. She was simply trying to escape from her pain. I do blame these actions by the government for her death. This is like this is a great article <clears throat> telling the story. This tells <clears throat> a, a great emotional story yeah of what we need to be talking about something that might actually get people to listen to all of the facts what's and take everything into consideration what's really infuriating to me is i was thinking earlier about this and i was thinking about how could you how would you get someone like cnn or msnbc to report on things like this and and if you could just imagine let's imagine trump woke up one day and he was like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to shut down the entire economy I'm just going to do that. I'm going to shut everything down. Everyone has to stay in their homes. And at that point, what would happen is the media on the left and maybe not on the right. I'm sure there would be hypocrisy on both sides here. But the media on the left would go through counting every single death from people like this, people who died for these types of reasons. And they would count every single one of them. And they would have a big number up on the news screen right there about how many people had died from Trump's completely random economic lockdown that he had woken up and decided he had a dictatorship and he was going to shut down everything. And then they would be more than willing to count all of these things as potential side effects of a lockdown. And if you can do that, if you can imagine that the left, the, the left media, leftist media would do it in that case, well, then you have to ask yourself, like, 
couldn't someone actually do the numbers on this and find out? Couldn't you actually do the numbers and find out whether or not you're actually killing more people than you're than you're actually saving? I, I feel like we could do that. So, Charlie, you want me to pick it up? Yeah. Well, I was gonna. <clears throat> this kind of brings me to the uh, one of the conversations I had with someone on Facebook. My brother actually. Uh, he made a post and he said, "What is it about having only a high school level of education or less that makes people?" believe they know more about a subject than the doctorate level plus educated experts in their particular field. You're seeing it now with COVID, but you also, you see it often with things like climate change, GMOs and vaccines as well. Yeah. And so I was having a discussion Your with brother, him. by the way, if I'm going to make a personal attack real quick, can, can point out people with a high school level or less because he's 33 and just graduated college last year. Yeah. So now he can say high school level education or less. Right. Is because what he can now say. he's got a piece because of paper. Now he finished college. Right. So he can say that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, uh, that, well, that and also I wanted to say it's like, look, you are only taking, especially in the case with COVID and, and my brother is in the medical field. He's a nurse now. It's like you're only taking that one angle. The The problems and what I was, what I was explaining to him is that the problems that humanity faces are multivariate. It's not just a virus that can kill you. There are so many things that can kill you. Drug and substance abuse, <laughs> depression, heart attacks. In fact, the number one killer in America, if you don't believe in abortion, which is fine, I do. I think that's the number one killer. But abortion exists. I'm sorry if you don't believe it's murder. Okay. The number is it's definitely if you don't believe humans are dying. Yeah. Because it I, I, it's in the millions. The, but the second one for me, first one for other people, is uh, heart disease. Still the number one killer. Yeah. Your heart, according to Norm, Norm MacDonald, would attack and kill you. It's like 99% chance that you're going to die from your heart attacking and killing you in some kind of way. Right. I mean, really anything that happens, it's your heart that decides that you're dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to fix that thing. When people say, oh, he died of cardiac arrest, I'm like, well, that's... When yeah. they pronounce you dead, <laughs> yeah. it's cardiac arrest. It it's, just stops. <laughs> it, it's done. Yeah. We got to fix that heart thing, but we need to get rid of those. The problems human face are, are multivariate. So how can you just take the one angle? And I don't want to say simple minded, but it, it's a, it's a narrow minded view. Simple minded. To, yeah. To say, <laughs> you'll say it. It's a very narrow minded view to say, well, why don't we just listen to the doctors? And I'm, what I said was, is like, look, they're experts in their field. Sure. But there are other experts in other fields. And maybe we, maybe a common sense approach would be to listen to all the experts at the same time. Well, probably one at a time, but take each one into consideration when you're making a decision. Well, Instead a doctor of, like Anthony Fauci, like absolutely. He's, he's more than likely correct. A doctor, you know, infectious diseases hey, if there's an infectious disease out there and more people go out and they're around each other, we're going to have more of this infectious disease than we than we otherwise would have. Right. And that's it. That's his only job right there. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a doctorate in you know, infectious diseases, whatever I am. And he, if more he people, did graduate top of his class, Cornell. If more people go around each other, more people are going to have this infectious disease. That makes sense. Okay. That does make sense. Okay. That doesn't mean that there aren't other things to consider. Right. Other than that. Like he's as, not an economist. As Dr. Thurston would say, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, mm -hmm. doc, doctor of economy, professor emeritus um, at 
university of all the universities. Every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's real problems with the economy. The, a lot of the universities turned me down because they didn't want me to make their students look bad. <laughs> that's what it you is. Know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. But okay. There have been several economists doing, you know, saying things. Then you have to take all kinds of things like what are the, what are the, the business experts saying? What are the economists saying? What are the medical experts saying? You have to take all of them into consideration. Yeah. You can't just say, ah, oh, virus kills people. Everybody must stay home. You can't do that. All right. Continuing on. Fox News asked McDonald, as well as three other doctors who were involved with the letter, if they thought the indirect effects of the shutdowns outweighed the likely direct consequences of lifting them. The preventable suffering of death Fauci referred to in last week's Senate hearing, all four said that they believe they do. Quote, the very initial argument, which sounded reasonable three months ago, is that in order to limit the overwhelmed patient flux into hospitals that would prevent adequate care, we needed to spread out the infections and thus, and thus the deaths in specific locations that could become hotspots, particularly New York City, uh, New Jersey, surrounding areas. It was a valid argument at the beginning based on the models that we were giving, McDonald said. What we've seen now over the last three months is that no city, none, zero, outside of New York has even been significantly stressed. McDonald is referring to the misconception that business closures and stay-at-home orders aimed at flattening the curve are meant to reduce the total number of people who will fall ill because of the coronavirus. Rather, these curve-flattening measures are meant largely to reduce the number of people who are sick at any given time, thus avoiding a surge in cases that overwhelm, overwhelms the healthcare system and causes otherwise preventable diseases because not all patients are able to access life-saving critical care which is exactly what we were talking about. Exactly what we've said from the very beginning. Exactly what the, the video from uh, Barstool Sport, Sports Guy was talking about. Yeah, The we, whole thing at the beginning was, we have to flatten the curve, 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 because our hospitals <laughs> are going to be overrun. We saw it happen in Italy. We had patients that couldn't be taken care of. We ran out of ventilators. We did all this, blah, 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 blah. We don't have enough. Flatten the curve. Everybody stay home. Make sure we you saw, don't run the hospital. We saw CBS running videos talking about New York while playing a video from Italy. Right. <laughs> we saw all kinds of stuff. And this whole time, everyone is blaming capitalism that we don't have enough. But this whole flatten the curve idea was to give us time to be prepared in case there was a massive influx of people into the hospital that needed cared for. And we've done that. We've done that. And now... You have mayors and all these people around the country saying, Bob, before we open, there's got to be a cure. Got to be a cure. Cure the death. This, If this still exists, cure it. then you can't leave your house. Ridiculous. That's it. You can't open your business if this still exists. It's absolutely ridiculous. McDonald's said that hospitals are not only overwhelmed, they're actually being shut down. Exactly what we talked about. <laughs> we flatten the curve so much, we put hospitals out of business. <laughs> During the pandemic. So, so now we got to flatten the curve even more because there's less hospital beds. <laughs> he noted that one hospital in the Los Angeles area where Dr. Simone Gold, the head organizer of the letter, works. The technicians in the ER have been cut by 50%. Wow. Gold said the effects of the shutdown are more serious for the vast majority of people than the potential virus spread if it is quickly lifted. When you look at the data of the deaths and the critically ill, they are patients who were very sick to begin with. She said, there's always exceptions, but when you look at the pure numbers, it's overwhelmingly patients who are in nursing homes and patients with serious underlying conditions, meaning that's uh, where our resources should be spent. 
I think it's terribly unethical. Part of the reason why we let the virus fly through the nursing homes is because we're diverting resources across society at large. We have limited resources and we should put them where it's killed people. Exactly what we've said before. You're saying resources are limited? Well, like scarce? Yeah. Huh. I think they are. Weird. And they could be allocated differently? They have multiple uses. How about that? Mm-hmm. Huh. It's almost like we should study the allocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses and yeah. come up with the best ways to do that. Maybe let the market do it potentially. I don't know. That's weird. You guys should read basic economics, by the way. It's a good book. I think that's called economics. <laughs> I think that's economics. <laughs> that's, that's what economics yeah. is. Well, and this is the other crazy thing. It's like what she what she's talking about here. I, I said on this show probably last week, it's like we did it completely wrong. You know, Sweden had the right idea with quarantining the old people, the people that it actually affects. Because guess what? If you're under 70, you have like a 99.997% chance of living. I will take those. If you're odds. under 70? Under 70. Yeah. yeah. I will take those odds. And if you don't, if you're completely healthy and you're under 70, it's less than that. You know? And she said, she said it completely perfectly. She said, there's always exceptions because you'll always get that person that goes, well, you know, my cousin's 34 and he got it and he died. Yeah. Well, that's one person. Yeah. Out and of how many sad. deaths now? That's and it's, very it sad. It is terrible. It is terrible and very sad. But the data, the actual data, the factual data, you look at the numbers, the Gardon numbers, you look at them and say, look at that. And then after you look at it, then you can come to a conclusion and you can understand the numbers clearly indicate that if you have an underlying condition and if you're a little bit older, 70s, 80s, definitely if you're over 80, yeah, death is a lot higher chance. But even then, even then, even over 80 and with underlying conditions, it's not even greater than 10%. You still have a 90% chance of survival. Yeah. You know, you tell those stories about uh you know the, that one person dying who was in their 30s or whatever it's like well i could tell a story that i saw this 102 year old woman who had it and she lived i'm sure there's she's way above the 80 year old threshold she was taking hydroxychloroquine though probably yeah uh quote there are thousands of us out here that don't agree with the perspective of dr fauci and the white house coronavirus response coordinator dr deborah bricks that believe burks sorry that believe, yes, this virus is deadly, it's dangerous, and it's contagious, but only to a select group of Americans. The path forward is to allow the young and healthy, the so-called herd, to be exposed and develop a degree of antibodies that both now is protective to them and also prevents the virus from spreading to the most vulnerable. Not only that, but you having antibodies will pass them on down to your children. <laughs> you think about it, if you just live in a bubble and you have kids in a bubble and you just stay in your bubble the likelihood of your family surviving for a long period of time without being in a bubble greatly reduces as you keep going down and down and down and down because then your children aren't going to have the antibody and then their children aren't going to, they're going to have less antibodies. Like if you never get sick, if your body never develops a defense mechanism, that's natural selection, baby. I've been building up a massive amount of antibody wealth to pass on to my children. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it doesn't get taxed away, I think that they're going to be very healthy someday. For sure. I think you've been doing the same thing. Yeah. So that it, until we have an antibody wealth tax, I think it's a good idea for sure. Yeah, it, like, I don't, I don't know about you. Inheritance but, tax. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like we used to eat, like we used to eat 
dirt pies and stuff. I, I mean, grew up. I grew up on a farm. I used to play in a pile of Roundup all the time. Yeah. All right. Like seriously, I've been I've been breathing chemicals since since I was breathing air, man. That's just <laughs> something that's been happening all the time. I used to go around in the in the grapes and the vineyard, and uh, it would go around and spray. You know all the this chemical. I can't remember the original name of it, but they changed the name because the original one killed too many people, and so they changed the name of it. And so I was just spraying it around, and of course, my family like we don't we don't wear masks, we're not wearing gloves, yeah. nothing. I'm just spraying this stuff around, literally breathing it in every single day. So I really think I'm probably gonna live forever now that I check because I've withstood a lot of stuff. Your body's defense mechanisms. Yeah, or I'm gonna get cancer soon. Yeah, either one of those, or you have it now. Maybe I haven't now. We just don't know. It's a lie in dormant, and I'll never go check because that's where coronavirus is <laughs> you, over there. You know you don't have appendix cancer. I I definitely because they took that out. Clean out. Yeah, took it right out of there. Quote: The vast majority of people <laughs> that contract this disease are asymptomatic, or so minimally systematic that they're not even aware that they're sick. It sounds like a great disease. <laughs> yeah. And so the denominator in our calculation of mortality rate is far greater than we think. The risk of dying from COVID is relatively small when we consider these facts. Gold, an emergency medicine specialist based in Los Angeles, led the letter on behalf of a new organization called A Doctor a Day. A Doctor a Day has not yet formally launched, but sent the letter with hundreds of signatures from physicians nationwide to the White House on Tuesday. Gold and the group's co-founder, Bark, um, or Barquet, depending on where he's from, said they began the organization to advocate for patients against the government-imposed coronavirus shutdowns by elevating the voices of doctors who felt the negative externalities of the shutdowns outweighed the potential downside of letting people resume their normal business. There we go. A doctor day keeps the apple away, as as they say. As they say. You know, that, so that's, let, let, me, let me read that again. Let me read that again. Doctors who felt that the negative externalities of the shutdowns outweighed the potential downside of letting people resume their normal business, which is what we've been saying the entire time that there is eventually, not only is there flattening the curve of, you know, hospital overrun, there's also a curve of when the economy being shut down negatively, when the economy being shut down actually ends up being worse than the virus itself. There's a curve to that too. And this is what we've been talking about the whole time. And a lot of people um, have been blasting us uh, more privately than they have yeah. publicly. But uh, it's just fascinating to me to be like, oh, well, you obviously don't care about people because you don't think that this virus is that big a deal. It's like, no, it's not that I don't think it's a big deal. I just understand that there's other consequences yeah. in life Jeff besides made a, viruses. Jeff made a good point. He said that he heard the, uh, which I will need to look it up, but he said he heard the average age of people dying from COVID is higher than the average life expectancy. And that's that's a that's a good point to make. Now, it doesn't mean that you should throw grandma off a cliff or anything <laughs> and put her on an ice flume or something like that. Like, that doesn't... That, She's that's got not COVID, what, set her on that's fire. That's not what we're saying. But there's something to be said for the fact that there's an average life expectancy for human beings and most of the people dying from this are people who have lived past that average life expectancy anyway. So, I mean, th that doesn't mean that we that you shouldn't care about it or anything, but we we got to look at the numbers on this. And they're, like I said, I think the only way to get CNN and all them to actually think about this would be if, if Trump just decided he was going to shut down the economy and there was no virus. Then they would clearly have the number of people dying from all these things up on the screen all the time. Right. But they refuse to do it now. They're not going to do it whatsoever. Except for Fox. Except for Fox. They'll run a story like this. 
And like I said, this is probably that's that's a hypocritical situation because if it were that reverse situation, Fox would probably not be talking about this right. at all, and and CNN and MS, MSNBC would be. You know, so that's that's just the media for you. Well, I think it's people in general nowadays, especially involved in politics. It's like if you're not with me, you're against me. It's a team. It's yeah. It's like, oh, well, you you watch Fox News, so you must be a Trump supporter. Like, no, I actually look at all of them. Yeah, I I read things from everywhere. It's like my cousin today from Lozana. He was saying, you know, oh, you must be a Trump supporter. I'm no, like, no, I'm there's not. not just two teams here, actually, like just because I argue against extreme leftist policies does not mean I am extreme right. Yeah, that's not what that means. You could actually just be principled and just be speaking yeah. out of principle all the time. That, that'd be kind of like if you're watching an NFL game and, you know, like I'm a Cowboys fan and they commit pass interference and I'm like, that was pass interference. And, and then you're like, oh, well, you must be an Eagles fan. <laughs> you're right. Like, no, it was pass interference. Yeah, like, that's, that's it. That's clearly, all it was. Clearly right. pass interference. Right. Okay. That was not, that wasn't roughing the quarter. Oh. Or like the must. Eagles fans against the Saints. Yeah. Was, that one was clearly pass interference. <laughs> yeah. That NFC championship game. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Clearly pass interference. And if you're an Eagles fan, you have to admit that. And if you admit that as an Eagles fan, you can't say, oh, you must be a Saints fan. That ref is going to have to be fearful of the wrath of Drew Brees for the rest of his life. I would quit if I were him. Oh, man. I'd find something okay, else to do. Okay, one more thing here. In the live group, let me know if you guys um, are college grads or going to college or anything like that or, or plan on it. This is an interesting conversation to me because we're having an issue. I saw this at my home as well. My sister had just started college. Uh, well, last, how's your sister doing, by the way? She was diagnosed, right? She's good. She's recovered, and uh, her boyfriend recovered as well. They both had they both had the Rona. And, what happened um, to them? They I mean, they were sick for about a week, and then and now they're and now they're good. Did they say it was like normal sickness, like just like a, the flu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt weak and some fevers. I and, think the biggest difference wa- uh, between the flu with um, was the headaches constantly, and the uh, and the news media outside your door. Other than that, you know. <laughs> Everything was the did same. They really have the news. No, outside there? Oh. no. <laughs> they did get on the. They didn't name people out, but they like when they were diagnosed. Like it was on the. It was on the news. Like new two new cases. New, two new cases reported because it's such a small area. Yeah. Like oh, we have two new cases reported well, in this county. There's fifty people that live in that town. Yeah. So so it was big news for. So, it still is. People are still talking about it. So so two people. I mean, that's four percent. It was a very large portion of the community. Yeah had coronavirus and it was all at my house <laughs> so no she just started college and uh, unfortunately you know she, she moved into the dorm all excited about getting that college experience and then what do you know a, a little bit later they're moving everything out of the dorm because because there's no college and everything's just online and the dorms are shut down and so this is an interesting problem because a lot of students uh, there there's these class action lawsuits popping up against the colleges because they're not getting full they're not getting full refunds even for their room and board. Um, she, my sister, did not get a, even a full refund for what they paid for her room or her, you know, food or whatever it was that they paid for in advance. Didn't get a full refund on that. Um, and now there's these lawsuits popping up because the students are saying that part of what they were paying for was that college experience. And it's no longer there. Which apparently is all the value. That's why you pay $30,000 a year or whatever is because you're at a college. And and that's really it. Yeah. Uh, so this interesting interesting case, I want to see what you guys thought. 
So Marie said the test saved her life. Yeah, once she got tested, everything was yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. If she wouldn't have had the test. I mean, yeah. I'd, yeah, it'd be bad. It'd it be would. really bad. So it says 100 unprecedented student lawsuits suing colleges amid coronavirus outbreak. That's from MarketWatch. In a growing number of lawsuits across America, college students suddenly stuck, uh, stuck in Zoom classes want some of their tuition money back because they say this kind of academic experience isn't what they bargained for. It's been approximately two months since colleges started canceling. Bargained. 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 No, I just mean it's not a bargain. It's College not a bargain. It's not a bargain. Like none of it, none of it, unless you're going to the University of Phoenix, you probably didn't get an amazing bargain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or Liberty Trading Academy. Like those are the only places where you can get those things. It's been approximately two months since colleges started canceling on-site schooling in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Though a number of schools have offered prorated refunds on room and board, tuition discounts have been a sticking point. And that's launched approximately 100 class action lawsuits from students against their schools so far, according to one tally. It costs an average of $21,900 for one year of tuition, room and board at a four-year public university, and $49,000 at a private school, according to the college board. Jesus. Woo! Schools and states, where are the people protesting outside of the offices of these colleges, by the way, for how insanely expensive they are? Oh, my God. Like, we'll, we'll tweet... You know, if you're in college, like you'll tweet about how expensive hand sanitizer got. But if you got charged 50 grand to go to school this year, it's totally fine. Totally worth it. Yeah. As long as you got to actually go. Yeah. Schools and states have varying documents and paperwork that students have to sign, said Christopher Schmidt, a part a partner at the law firm Brian Cave, Leighton Paisner, who advises colleges and universities. They should really shorten that name. But he's not aware of anything in those written agreements that promises in-person classes. So this is really interesting. Like, is that part of what you're paying for? Is it in the marketing? Is this what you're actually paying for? Furthermore, Schmidt added, it's difficult to make a blanket statement that the student is the buyer. What if mom and dad are footing the bill, he wondered. How about a student who has a full-ride scholarship? Or what if you got a loan from the government? Mm -hmm. Then is the student actually the buyer? Can they actually be in a class action lawsuit against the college? Or are you going to have to rely on the government suing the college or whatever it is that they do. I think they just raid them with a SWAT team these days, a no-knock raid on the college, if that's what they're going to do. Is that we have to rely on? Because you're not actually the buyer because you didn't just go pay for it more than likely. You probably got some type of loan from somewhere to go pay for it. And so this is, this is pretty interesting to me. There's much more to the contractual relationship says Hassan, uh, Zavarai of Tycho and that guy's last name. We'll call him Z. That includes the way schools publicly play up the allure of campus life and in-person classes, he noted. Z is representing students from St. John's University in Queens, New York, and the University of California school system in lawsuits suing for tuition and fee refunds. The California Superior Court lawsuits list how the university system's marketing materials emphasize the value of campus life. And this is an example. It says, you'll find yourself among leaders of all kinds, Peace Corps volunteers, nonprofit founders, student government presidents, scholarship winners, and club organizers on Zoom. I didn't see that part at the end. <laughs> UC Berkeley's website says, according to a lot, yeah, on could, Zoom. Could be on Zoom. Yeah. All you need in a contractual relationship is promises and consideration, Z told Market Watch. 
The school provides education and it provides room and board and provides services. In exchange for that, you give them consideration, the consideration of money. What we are trying to do is enforce that contract. So it, it's, it's really interesting here. It's interesting to consider whether or not there's like a false marketing thing here where that's something that you thought you were paying for, you know, like, mm -hmm. like you paid, I don't know, you paid for a cruise to go somewhere and you went to the cruise ship and they just let you sit there, but the cruise ship never left and never did anything. And they're like, well, we just said that we were going to let you on stay on this cruise ship for four days. Like, there's no guarantee you're going to see anything or be able to do anything on the ship or anything like that. Like, that would be kind of ridiculous. But that would be an obvious marketing problem there where you promised someone something and someone paid a high cost for something and then they didn't receive it in return. It's just kind of an interesting problem. It says, are students getting low quality education in the eyes of the law? No question, says Z. It's just a pale substitute for the original, he said. Schmidt disagrees. Fundamentally, the education has still been delivered and credits to a quality degree are still being earned, he said. Mm. But judges may not want to play the role of college administrator if past decisions offer clues, Hutchins said, noting he's not trying to take sides in the debate. So this is the other side of this where they say, well, you're really getting the same thing right now. You're, you're getting the same thing. You're still getting the same education. You're getting the same credits. You're going to get the same piece of paper. And if that's the case, all, I guess all I would have to say is, why are we even still building these massive colleges and sending, yeah. you know, sending I'm all sorry, these people? Sorry, you don't get to swim in the pool and the rock climbing wall. Yeah. You can't go in there and the rec center's closed and all of that. All these amenities that you were promised are all closed. But uh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Don't worry. It's the same thing. Yeah. And the article goes on to basically ask whether or not the schools would even be able to afford to pay the refunds and to skip through these paragraphs. The answer is no. The, the school's... That's the problem. The schools run in such terrible finances that they would not be able to pay the refunds to their students yeah. if that's the case. There's, so, an, there's an interesting statement here. It says, during past recessions, many state schools wound up receiving less taxpayer money from state governments, which had less money to set aside for higher education. It sounds Ima like, it sounds imagine like a that. consequence of an economic downturn right there that you wouldn't want to go towards. Oh, so if people are making less money, so if you get your money by stealing from other people, and those other people make less money. And you have a state public college that the amount, relies. The amount that you can steal ends up being less? Yeah. Oh, and wow. It causes problems at those colleges. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. Maybe if you're someone who wants free public education for everyone, you should wonder whether where they're going to get the money to do that. <laughs> you know? Maurice asked a good question. He said, what did the college promise? So that's the part we don't know. I don't have a contract with a school. It's, it it's going to come down to the legal document that the students signed or whoever signed to go there, did it say that that campus life was going to be part of what you were paying for? Or did they simply promise to provide you with an education and, and credits and a diploma if you pass your classes and that's it? If there's nothing about actually being in physical classes, then the students are probably not going to be any good here, I would say. Mm -hmm. So that's going to come down to the, to the legal jargon on that one. So, um, let's see. <laughs> Sorry, reading through some of the live group. If you guys are interested in joining up on the live group, go to patreon.com slash goodmorninglibertty and chat with us live if you want to do that. Listen, every dollar that goes into that Patreon goes directly back out to Liberty. That's what it goes towards, getting this message out there to the most amount of people possible. What I think is cool is that, much like corporations, people are figuring out that, you know, like, 
true online universities can create some real competition to these these old school ways. You know, imagine if you could go to a, a decent college online and only pay a couple thousand dollars a semester for it. You know, you might have a lot more people enroll that can do college from home. You don't have to live on campus. You don't have to drive in or out. You don't, you can get probably a full-time job and then still do your classwork. Like it opens the door for all kinds of people to attend. I think this is going to be a big boom for colleges like that, that are just online or maybe, maybe train, you know, maybe some actual training places that are offering income share agreements for people. Like there's literally, there's good quality coding schools that will offer you amazing classes for income share agreements. And so you don't pay anything up front mm -hmm. and then they just take a portion of your earnings and recoup what you would have paid. And that's pretty good because you end up not getting a job in the field or you change your mind. Like you're, you're not out any money. There's a lot less risk. And maybe these students are going to see a little bit about what risk potentially is. That if you're just paying specifically for in-person classes, and then you also advocate to not be allowed to be in person with anyone, then maybe you're going to be screwing yourself over potentially. I don't know. You guys let us, let me know what you think. Tweet us at GoodAMLiberty. Tweet us on the Tweet Us account. Go ahead and get on there at GoodAMLiberty and let us know what you think about this idea. Whether or not these students have a legal leg to stand on, we're not lawyers. Um, let us know if you think the students have a good legal leg to stand on. Um, the, the moral side of the argument, the libertarian side of the argument, do these colleges owe these students back any money? And... It's really going to come down to the contracts that the students signed. On a moral side, I would say, yes, the purely online classes are more than likely going to be cheaper than the, your traditional in-person campus classes, mm -hmm. I would say. So I do think that if you are going to charge someone for that versus what you might charge for only online or something like that, if there is a difference in those two prices, say a college has different pricing for only online courses, well, then that's what these students need to be charged is that amount, at least. So I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Send us an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us or charlie at goodmorningliberty.us. That's right, Josh. Read every single contract that you sign. Charlie's been reading contracts for the last couple of days. I'm in a battle right now with yeah, someone. He's it's, it's, literally going back and forth on a on a house. And, and the um, guy asked, he's like, are you a lawyer? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just not dumb just not <laughs> so, gonna sign my name to this just not dumb yeah I, I realize this is heavily in favor of the other side of the contract yeah i'm just i'm just negotiating yep and i agree I, I, most people will just sign um you know contracts because it's just easier and it's so funny because he told me that he took my you know what i said back to the to their legal team and they said uh, that they kind of laughed at me and i'm like good laugh at me um i've already won one lawsuit by myself so yeah so i'll take on another one that's fine he, he i mean you charlie reads the fine print so if you guys <laughs> want to know about reading fine the fine print you know he gets into the law and, and i actually he enjoy loves it. it he loves it i enjoy he it loves it i get bored with it i'm just like ah this guy's screwing me well whatever they, you know they try to word things in a way to, to make it hard to understand but if you just take it one word at a time <laughs> you'll get there yeah you know <laughs> so I was reading part of the contract. It was talking about how that a, uh, a landlord and a tenant can agree uh, for different kind of maintenance costs and stuff like that. 
uh, as long as it's reasonable, but it does not absolve the landlord of its duty to make repairs. You know, so you can't, you can't make an art like a, you can't make an outlandish agreement with yeah. somebody and because the law on the courts will be like, that's ridiculous. Like you're trying to get out of your end of the bargain. And so it's like, even in these things, you could still say, okay, well, yeah, I did sign the lease. However, um, you know, in, inside of this lease, they, they wrote provisions that are unlawful. Therefore, like, look, if some, if something in a contract is, un, is unlawful, you can still argue against it. So a, a contract is, is only as binding so far as, as long as it's lawful. You know, I can't make a contract with Nate saying that, uh, we'll murder somebody. Yeah. And they're like, like well, well, you we signed the contract contract. You yeah. signed the contract. Yeah. It's just like the founder said, anything null and void or anything contrary to the constitution is null and void. So if, if you have a lease or if you have an agreement with somebody that is contrary to an existing law, then that provision, that clause or that section of the lease is null. Even if you, even, even if, if you, you sign, sign it, it and you find yes. out later that right. they're trying to fine you for something right. or, or charge you a fee on something. If it does end up being against the law, you can still get right. out of it. Even if you sign the contract, which I told this guy that I was like, look, it's, this isn't like, I'll sign this. That's fine. Uh, I, I would prefer it out of there. However, you do it like a handshake agreement. However, the it? law, no, I haven't signed it yet. Still. <laughs> I said the law explicitly states that you cannot charge more than a 10% fee explicitly says that it, just because you try to add interest on top of it, it's, it clearly states no matter what form or um, no matter how you try to charge a fee, whether it be by interest or Chick-fil-A sandwiches or whatever, it can, it can't exceed 10%. It's clear. It's clearly in there. Yeah. And he's like, what are you some lawyer or something? I'm like, no, I'm just a guy who knows how to read. <laughs> Not used to dealing so, with those guys who know how to read. I know. I think he's. I think he's annoyed with me, but I'm sure. Well, you know, there's there's plenty of houses. Yeah, plenty of houses. Just out find there. a different house. Yep. Just do that. Well, guys, listen. We're at 53 minutes. That's our quick episode. Okay. So that's the other thing. I'm uh, Jeff says here. Then six eight Chuck shows up. I yeah. am six eight. You just walk in. Yeah. Being much larger than everyone else. Yeah. And they're intimidated. Another funny thing you told me today is like, well, you know, these people they're very reasonable, and I'm like, I'm reasonable. <laughs> Why is the contract so much more in their favor? Yeah. It should be a reasonable, favorable contract for both parties. You know, if they're reasonable and I'm reasonable, let's make a reasonable contract together. You know, they'll probably find someone why who's is, just not going to read it. Why is the onus on me? Yeah. So anyway, we'll see what happens. I'll let you guys know if I end up getting this contract. We'll, we'll see, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot my foot to spite my face. Is that how that sounds? <laughs> exactly. Is that what your daddy always said? That's like my grandpa <laughs> used to say all the time. <laughs> Listen, guys, we're doing a contest. I've been posting about it on social media today. Did a video on Instagram, a couple posts today. We're doing a contest. Are we going to give out the secret code word today also? Yeah, let's for do For people it. listening. It the is. secret code word for this contest, by the way, the $500 listener stimulus, where you hear the secret code word, you go to our website, you put in the code word, and now you're entered into a drawing to win $500, all right, of real money. We don't just have a printing press out there where we just make fake money or anything like that. This is backed by actual value, okay? Mm -hmm. This is not going to inflate our currency or anything like that. Right, it's so already the, in the market. The secret code word 
is Murka. Murka. M U R I C K. I C K. Murk. Murk. <laughs> if you accidentally M-U-R- put a K in there, it'd be fine. M U R I K. M U R America. M U R I C A. If you accidentally put a K, that's fine because Nate, you said a K. I prefer it with a K at the end. Yeah. Well, however you want to say it, spell America. Merc. Just do it. Merc. That's how I <laughs> that's say what, it. Yeah. So anyway, that's what it is. you go and do that. And guess what? If you go leave us a rating and review on iTunes, all right, five stars if you think it's good. Ignore this part. If you don't, go leave us a rating and review on iTunes. When you go fill out this form on our website, you're going to get five bonus entries into this drawing. It's like you're going into a raffle. This is not a raffle, government. If you're going into a <laughs> raffle and you're going to just, hey, would you like to put in five extra tickets? And you're like, no, I don't want to put in five extra tickets. That's ridiculous. Well, obviously, you're an idiot. <laughs> okay? So go put in five extra tickets into the stimulus by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. And then you go to our website, goodmorningliberty.us slash stimulus. Goodmorningliberty.us slash stimulus. If you want to be entered in that drawing on June 2nd, we're going to go live on Facebook. And we're going to award one lucky listener with a piece of paper that says $500 on yes. it. No, it'll be actually $500 probably through Venmo or something. I don't probably, know. Yeah. The cash app. Cash app, the, PayPal. The mother freaking cash like app. That. Something like that. So probably do PayPal friends and family so there's no fees. Yeah. So well, anyway. Ain't nobody want to pay any fees for that. You want to get in let on this, read, y'all. Let me read one of the latest reviews. This is this is maybe one of my favorites here. Um, it says, Got That 2008 Feeling by Finnick Cynic. He says... Charlie and Nate give me that 2008 feeling. No, I'm not talking about careening into another economic disaster. <laughs> Rather, that feeling when I heard Ron Paul for the first time. Oh, man. That's wow, a, what a compliment. A, that's an honor. It was a great awakening for me as a 26-year-old who was politically illiterate, hearing Dr. Paul uh, sufficiently make the most sense I'd ever heard in a political forum. It was new to me but uh, then, but now, a welcome, fuzzy, nostalgia sensation every time I get that notification of a new episode of Good Morning Liberty in my feed. Just one of the perks of being a 92 percenter. <laughs> Additionally, I feel a bit smarter after each episode, after hearing Nate and Charlie dish out some serious liberty knowledge for an hour every day when they want to. Y'all are my go-to for my liberty fix and have helped me not sound dumb no more to my two-party friends that used to think I was nuttier than a squirrel. <laughs> Keep it up. Thanks, guys. Jim from Atlanta. Thanks, Jim. Boom. It's a great, great review. That'll keep you going in the morning right yeah. there. If I think if I had a thousand more of those, I would be enough. Then you would be enough. Then I would be enough. If you had a thousand reviews, guys, make Charlie enough <laughs> and go leave a rating and review. A bunch of new ratings and reviews on there, by the way. And by the way, it's already helping. Just so you guys know. It is. When, you, ser- when you search on, um, on Apple Podcasts, used to, if you typed in good... M, you would get a bunch of things like Good Morning America and then like eight things and then Good Morning Liberty. Now, if you type in Good M, we're on the front page. You get Good Morning America and then Good Morning Liberty right after that. That's literally just because of the ratings and reviews, I promise you. So go ahead and keep doing that if you want this show to get out to more people. We're seeing it in the numbers for sure, so keep doing it's what all you're be, doing. It's all because you guys love this show so much. It has nothing to do with the stimulus, I bet. Not at all. Yeah. No, they would have done it anyway. pure love for the show, yeah. and I can't thank you enough for that. So, no, we really do We really do appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. I know it's a, it's a tough ask, you know, it's to have somebody do something for you. 
a, a chance to win five hundred dollars, I think, is a good incentive. Yeah. To do those types of things, I'd like so, a better for over a thousand. Yeah. But, you know, well, maybe we'll do another one. It's, we'll see if see how well this one goes. We might do another one. Yeah. So maybe you could win twice. Depends on how many poker games Charlie plays this week. <laughs> Depends <laughs> on how much of my poker earnings do you yeah. want to win? <laughs> do you want to be a partner in my poker endeavor? But anyway, no, we really do appreciate it. So you guys enter that contest and then uh, you have to, obviously you guys are listening to the show, but everyone has to listen, get that secret code word of Murica in there. Go to goodmorningliberty.us slash stimulus for that sign up and uh, we'll do the drawing the very first week of June. I'm gone on the first, so it's going to be on the second. Uh, that's when the drawing is going to take place and we we'll, we'll be giving that out. And I don't want to forget, you also get a lifetime subscription to mastermytrades.com. That's right. Which in and of itself could be an unlimited value. <laughs> like we don't know that right now the class is at a very ridiculously low price. So that obviously is going to go up. So you don't have to pay the, the, the advanced fee. You know, you don't have to pay for it every single month. No, no, it's it's an unlimited potential amount of value. So if you want to check that out, in the meantime, go to mastermytrades.com uh, for the Liberty Training Academy. See mainly Nate's beautiful face explaining everything you know need to know about the stock market, how to read a chart, the very basics of trading psychology and terminology, the different strategies that we use to make money in the market. It's not a guarantee of making money in the market. Trading is very risky. Uh, this is not used by anybody. Rick by Inc. <laughs> Past so that, performance is not indicative of future results. Yeah, that's the key right there. There you go. It's not indicative. I However, did, I put up four new videos today. Just, just today. Just today. Cranking them. Yeah. Maybe could have been three. Well, there's four. I know I uploaded four videos. So yeah. yeah. And we're trying different things. I started an account in Webull, uh, which is another brokerage you can use. Uh, kind of, it's a little bit like I guess Robinhood. They kind of started out as a phone app and some different kind of things. So we're showing you guys some different things that you can do. Um, with a small account. With with small accounts, some different types of things if you're a very beginning trader. So uh, there's you have options. And, and I just want you guys to go check it out because there's nothing better than being in control of your own finances. Like instead of having just all your money going to someone else in a 401k, you could take a portion of that. You can open up your own IRA account and then it's tax-free. And you could trade your own money and say, okay, I'm going to use these strategies, whether it be an opening range breakout, or you're going to do low floats, or if you're going to take some long-term trades, whatever it might be, you're in control of it. You're the one that understands what's happening. You are going to know when the next recession's coming. You're not, I mean, not know when it's actually coming, but you're gonna be able to look at a chart and be like, okay, I think that the chart can do this based on what it's done previously, because you're going to understand what the price action and the different pivots and things like that. So it's a very, very smart thing to learn in life. Uh, so go to mastermytrades.com and check that out. And I think if you guys do all of that. Maybe. And share the show. Still do that for free. Share the show with a friend. If you guys do all that, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.